Welcome to the Introverted Doctor Podcast, dedicated to uncovering myths, mistakes, and misconceptions that hold healthcare professionals back from having better interpersonal relationships with their patients and colleagues. In each episode, we focus on different aspects of a doctor's professional life, such as communication techniques, mindset, routines, habits, and behaviors, with the goal to show how to eliminate anxiety, trip-ups, and unwelcomed results that come from ineffective communications. I'll reveal research routines and have guests in future podcasts that will allow that will help shine light on a particular topic. I'll also have some take-home summary tips you can apply right away to start living a fuller life at work, home, and play. I'm your host, Dr. Lalit Chavla, and in this episode, we'll talk about how to help facilitate meaningful change that matters without spending hours in counseling or time-wasting discussions. If there's one thing I've learned in my professional and personal life, and I know talking with other professionals, uh, it, it is that helping facilitate behavioral change can be challenging yet one of the most rewarding things you can ever do. I don't know about you, but have you ever personally changed or improved something, whether it's eating better, exercising, sleeping on time, cutting back on Netflix, and that made a positive impact in your life? And you also saw a ripple effect that made made you feel great, uh, not only in your life, but in other people. You felt vibrantly alive, living into your full potential. That's probably one reason why people get so excited about New Year's resolutions, because it's a new beginning, new opportunities to live into their best life. But also, I've also found that one of the most challenging things in a clinical setting is trying to make an impactful, sustainable change with a person. And whenever I've been able to help facilitate that, it feels frankly great knowing that I've had some role in helping someone live better and become healthier. And I know it will have a huge ripple effect on other people in their lives. I think that's one reason, that's one of the draws of why people who go into the helping professions, such as doctors, nurse practitioners, nurses, OTs, PTs, and teachers, because we know that what we're doing may help somebody and that gives us some sense of uh, accomplishment that we're doing that. But trying to figure out where and how to do that with another, another individual, such as a patient, can be challenging and frustrating at times, not only for you, but also for the person who's trying to, you're trying to help and who came to you for some guidance. However, over the years, I've figured out from my mistakes and learning from other great professionals what really makes a difference in helping people make a sustainable change. I also learned what I thought I was doing was helpful, but uh, in reality, it wasn't. And I'm not shy to admit that you know I could have done better, but that's the benefit of having experience and learning from it. One of the common mistakes I've made was when I was a younger physician was trying to create or leverage change in terms of what I thought was possible or necessary for that person to improve in their life versus realizing 
where they were in terms of actually making a change possible. Because what works for me wouldn't necessarily work for them. Now, having said that, I also believe that and know that there are changes that can make a huge impact that affect all areas of a person's mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical, physical health. So, for example, uh, these are some real simple examples, like if a person quits smoking or starts exercising or gets rid of negative self-talk or adds a morning ritual of gratitude, those types of changes are likely to have a big domino effect or a piece of the puzzle that makes a huge impact in a person's life in a beneficial way. But as you know, life is not simple and everybody's different and there are different leverage points that can create impactful change. Because as I'm sure you know, that what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. And frankly, the person may need to you know, quit smoking or exercising or eating better, but they may not be ready for it. So what do you do as a healthcare provider? And that's really what today's podcast is all about. So what I want to really talk about is something that I use and wish I had learned earlier in my career. It's not to simply help patients, but simply to have helped myself. This model is something, you know, uh, is so pivotal. And, it, and the best way to describe it is I really believe there are four core areas that are always influencing a person's life. And what happens in one area affects the other areas. I first like to explain it like this. In anybody's existence, I believe that there are two areas that, that are always playing a role in influencing a person's behavior and thoughts and their overall well-being. And that is a person's internal world and the external world. So in terms of the internal world, we have what I call our inner psychology, and it consists of our values, beliefs, emotions, rules, past memories, imagination, and philosophies, essentially our view of the world. We know people have very different rules and value systems, and conflict or disagreements often occur when we don't understand other people's belief systems or values because we're seeing it from our own lens or we choose not to agree with theirs for whatever reason. The second aspect, or the second sphere or core area, is our physical body. And that consists of our brain pattern, our immune system, our ability to heal, a number of limbs, eyes, ears, muscles, nerves, etc. What type of physiology we have determines how we can carry out what we want to do. And we all come into this world with a varying degree of physical ability. And you know, if you've ever been sick or injured a body part, that, that can affect your psychology. You can have all the right winning psychology and beliefs, etc. But if you simply don't have the physical energy because you're sick, uh, you know you simply can't do what you want to do or need to do. Equally, we see how these two elements are intimately connected. 
how our inner psychology and our physical body are connected. You know, we talk about the whole mind-body thing, but, you know, as being separate, but the reality is they are, they're connected, they're one. So, for instance, that's why physical movement, breathing, changes the way you mentally think and feel. That's why when we change our physical being and take on a certain physical stance, that signals to our brain to change our thinking so we rise up to the challenge. I remember the first time I had to perform as an illusionist for an audience of a thousand people. I started getting all panicky and saying, you know, what the heck am I doing here? And I, my dad wasn't there to kind of console me, and, but I just remember what he had taught me. He said, you just have to, you know, rise to the occasion and physically believe you can do it. So I remember him saying that, so I changed my posture, stood more confidently, slowed my breathing down, and boom, I started to notice the change in my mindset. And that's why, if you remember doing exams, you may have been nervous and scared, but you probably changed your physical posture and then started feeling mentally better and took on the role as a confident student or exam taker. Equally, I know that... Uh, what happened to me, and maybe it happened to you, but you know, I've been sometimes so nervous during an exam. I remember one of my undergraduate exams that I forgot things that I inherently knew and that were just part of me that I didn't even need to study. But because I was so nervous, my mental thinking, I just wasn't even able to relay that information. And you know, I remember being frustrated and embarrassed by that and did, really didn't understand that. You know, so many studies have been done that shows the benefit of exercise in terms of decreasing anxiety and depression, for example. One study showed that exercise had just as much benefit as an SSRI in helping improve depression. I know as clinicians, we can forget to tell our patients the importance of physical conditioning to create greater mental states. And this is largely because these two elements, our physical body and our inner psychology are so intimately connected. And that's something we need to remember when we're, you know, counseling people, is to leverage their, their physical energy and physical body. We also know, and we've seen people who may have had tremendous physical um, disadvantage, but mentally they were strong and they were more determined they had a strong inner psychology, and that elevated their physical performance. The classic example is when Roger Bannister, who broke the four-minute mile, and incidentally, he was so persistent in visualizing that he, he always imagined that he could break the four-minute mile. He trained his belief system, and he thought about it. He was obsessed by it. And then after he broke the four-minute mile, so many other people broke it afterward after he did. And I think that's why Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. And imagination, visualization is part of our inner psychology. And we can train ourselves and leverage that. So that's the two core areas in our inner world. Now let's consider our external world. One thing I'd like to ask you, how do you feel when you've been through a rough winter and then all of a sudden you open the door and it's a beautiful sunny day and it, there's such a nice gentle breeze? 
I don't know about you, but that immediately changes my state. And I feel spectacular. And I'm just over the moon. I mean, I just love that that time. Or if you're bored down in the dumps and you eat something that you truly love, like some chocolate or your favorite food, you know, that changes your physical state and your mental, uh, the way you look at things. So these are examples of how our physical environment influences our thought patterns, which ultimately affects our behaviors. And our physical environment really consists of things like weather, the physical space, our air quality, the pictures on the wall, what we eat, uh, how much water we drink, what's the nutritional content, are we eating junk food, etc. Now, I know I'm really influenced by the physical space in the environment. And I really want to share with you an interesting story about a, a friend of mine who worked in a hospital setting. He got promoted to a different part of the hospital. He had a bigger office, and um, but it didn't have any windows. And he was all excited about the move, was there, and he thought, you know, this is the best thing that ever happened. And I, I went by and visited him one day, and I said, hey, so how are things going? And he said, oh, you know, good. I just, But I just find that ever since I've been here, I, I'm just not as productive as I was. I feel distracted. And uh, I, I said, I can't figure out why. I, mean, I should be happier. It's a bigger office. And uh, then I asked him, I said, well, you know, I noticed in this office, you don't have any windows. And I don't know about you, but does that humming of that vending machine bother you at all? And he said, what humming? And I said, that humming, you don't hear it? And he goes, yeah, I, I, I guess I never, I stopped paying attention to it. And those things were subconsciously affecting his mood and energy. And when he really sat and thought about everything, he realized that his new physical environment was actually not you know, benefiting him in his work productivity. So he actually asked if he could move back to an old, the older part of the hospital. Everybody thought he was crazy, but he loved having the big windows and, and getting the sunshine in. He could look outside and it was a much quieter and peaceful setting. And he also noticed a huge in, in, increase in his productivity. And that was simply because he had increased or dialed in to the physical environment and space. So that's how that's important. You know, I, I personally, I've learned a lot from secretaries and nurses I've worked with about how they spruce up their work area by putting up pictures of their children or inspirational quotes. And then when I started implementing that strategy, it totally changed how much better I felt in my workspace. I know that, you know, you know I have a couple photos of my family and some great quotes. And um, when I see them, you know, I just get a wave of positive emotions and it just lifts me. I have some really good inspirational quotes that lifts me up my mood, you know, helps me focus on my bigger vision. So leveraging your physical environment is really key. Equally, I know if I'm not conscious or thinking about the way I feel, I might drink extra caffeine or, or sugary snack because I'm bored, because at some level, I know that it'll raise my level of excitement or change my physical state. 
even if it's momentarily, but unfortunately, it will also you know cause my energy to plummet later. So the better choice for me at those times is to drink water or get up and walk around, uh, you know, just close my eyes and breathe for 30 to 60 seconds. And that equally changes my state. So it allows me to make better positive choices in those moments. Let's talk about the fourth core sphere. Millionaires hang around millionaires. Billionaires hang around billionaires and misery loves company. So often than not, this is the one area that can easily that can be easily neglected. That's why parents are so rightfully concerned by who their children's friends are. Because if you hang around negative influencers, that's going to affect your psychology and belief system. You know, one thing my dad really ingrained in me before he passed away was, you know, always hang around people who make you better. He always said, you might want to hang around people who stroke your ego, but you will never improve as a person. And you and I know that so many people we are trying to help really live in an unhealthy state. And some of that is due to the people that are in their circle. And the type of people we surround ourselves with, sometimes we really don't always have a choice, whether it's a relative or work colleague, but we can kind of gauge how much energy or time we're going to give to them. I remember one fellow who used to do house repairs in my home. You know, I'd help him do some of the work, and but he was one of the most negative people that I ever came across. He was always in a state of complaining about how bad the world was and it was either or you know it was either too hot outside or too cold or too rainy and I found myself you know feeling worse just by being around him and it took me several months to realize that he was really making his presence was really making me feel very negative about life in general his doom and gloom view of the world was actually affecting my outlook. So I was so glad when he finished that particular project in our house. And uh, then I, and I said, you know, I, I just can't be, you know, I, I've got to watch the kind of people that I surround myself with. Now, the challenge we have as healthcare providers is that we deal with many people who do have stressful lives. And we have to make sure we are aware that how their energy can affect our energy to be optimistic and that we don't take that energy home with us because over time that can certainly lead to burnout. So it's important to make sure to be surrounded by great people in your workplace. And if you don't have that, then it's helpful to try to cultivate that environment. An important thing is also to cultivate a group of friends or people outside of your work environment. Scheduling time with people who lift or recharge your mental, emotional, and spiritual energy. I have two super-duper friends who I connect for at least an hour with weekly. And we have scheduled times where we'll talk to each other and we really make sure we're focused and elevating our conversation. And neither of them live near me, so we, you know, we talk to each other on the phone. I mean, that's the wonders of technology. And I really consider them like my growth friends. So if you don't have any growth friends, think about people in your life that 
could be a growth friend because trust me, there are people who do want to connect. There are a lot of good people in the world and a lot of people who want to make themselves better. And I'm sure there are people around you in your environment. So extending this concept of the four core spheres into the clinical setting, one thing that really makes it easier for me when I'm listening to a patient is what area in their life is really a huge pulling factor, positive and negative, and how can I leverage that for them? So for instance, if they have a really great personal support system, I know that they could use that more to their advantage. If they just sit at home and aren't moving their bodies, I'll look at ways that how, at how can they physically get moving by incorporating their friend, their daughter or partner, etc. If I identify in their conversation that they have such an abundance of negative self-talk, I'll bring that up. I'm always looking at the four core areas and evaluating with the patient, how can we or they use one of those aspects to improve their life? And then we talk about it. It really is a great framework to help organize an approach to figure out where or what domino can we move that will make everything else easier. And of course, this also applies in our own life as well. At any given time, there's one factor that leverages and changes everything. So I'll even I'll explain this model to the patient and about the four core areas so that uh, they can also think about it and reflect on it even after the clinical visit. You know, what area can I change or improve? Because whatever happens in one area has a huge impact in all the other areas as well. Now, as an extension of this podcast, in my next podcast, I want to share with you a valuable concept called trigger points that exist and can help change behavior. You may have an idea about what I'm going to talk about, but there's a lot more to it, and I'll share that with you next time. So here really is the summary of this podcast. And remember, the show notes can be found on the website, theintroverteddoctor.com, theintroverteddoctor.com. There are four areas in a person's life that greatly impacts a person's thoughts, which ultimately affects their behaviors. Any change, positive or negative, one area affects the other areas. The four areas, the four areas are their inner psychology, which consists of their values, beliefs, imaginations, memories, their visualizations, their physical body, those two core areas makes up a person's internal world. The other two core spheres are the external environment, the air, the weather, and the physical space, what, what a person consumes. And the last and final core sphere is the people environment, the people they surround themselves with. And that really is a great model or framework that helps anchor uh, areas when I'm looking at myself or trying to help another individual. I hope this podcast served you in some way. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please share with a friend or colleague and subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please don't forget to leave a rating. 
I know it's a small thing, but it really makes a difference in terms of helping others find this podcast. I'm Dr. Lalit Chavla, and thank you so much for listening. Let's together make a greater, more effective community and inspire people to live with greater harmony, joy, and magic in their lives. Tell me what you liked about this podcast and what you'd like to hear in future future podcasts and episodes. Thank you so much and have a great week.